0: to the One-in-One One Podcast, where a below-average podcaster chats with an above-average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget Bay. My guest today is Autumn Champion-Sher, who played softball at the University of Arizona from 2003 to 2006, played in three Women's College World Series, and was a member of the 2006 National Championship team. Autumn now works as a nurse and has been on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. Autumn, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: And I just want to start off by saying thank you for all your hard work during this very difficult time in our country. Obviously, a lot of people have been able to work from home, but you do not have that luxury. And really, truly, nurses and doctors have been the heroes.
1: Yeah, for sure. It definitely has taken a spin on our um, profession, and it's been exhausting in many ways. But, yeah, an honor also to be able to um, help and um you know, just be there and, and be on the front lines for, for the community. So it's, um, it's a, it's a mixed, mixed feeling for sure.
0: Yeah. I have to say I've done, I think over 120 episodes of this podcast and you have the best name
1: autumn champion. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So champion is my maiden name. Um, I actually have been married now for Wow, oh, eight years, and um, haven't actually changed it legally, but um, not necessarily for any other reason that it, it's kind of inconvenient to do so, um, but also because, of course, it's, it's a cool name, so why yes, not keep it? Um, yeah, but I, I still do make sure that my husband gets the credit for his name, too, and it's, it's kind of a fun thing, too, to, to use the word sure, you know, a champion for sure, and, He thinks it's silly but I kind of like to ride that so
0: (laughs) well you definitely are I mean you still I'm sure you still have that 2006 ring
1: oh yeah definitely yep I have (laughs) it um in a frame in my
0: um in my house so as you should very cool let's start at the beginning for you you're from Tustin California what part of California is that exactly in
1: so, it's in Southern California, kind of wedged in between um, San Diego and l a, close to Irvine. some people know um, Irvine a little bit more than Tustin. But Tustin's a great small town. Um, really, really loved it. and it was close to the beach. so I went to the beach a lot growing up, had a had a good balance of um, sports and you know being able to to just kind of have a little freedom too and just relax at the at the beach anytime that I could.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a great area to grow up in because like you said, you're close mm-hmm. to San Diego, you can go to the beach or if you want to go to the city, LA's not too far either.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I don't I didn't really go to the city much growing up, but um I, I do remember a lot of the times, uh, you know, one of my good friends, Caitlin Lowe, she's the coach at the U of A now. Um, her and I grew up together and we would we were also on the same club team. So we would sometimes go to the beach in the morning and bring our practice stuff and then leave the beach and head to practice. So really good memories. um, And just kind of getting exposed to having a a good balance in sports and life in general.
0: I was going to bring Caitlin up a little later when we got into your high school career, but since you mentioned Mm it, it's absolutely ridiculous that you guys grew up in the same town. You went to the same high school, you end up at the same college. I mean, did you lose a game in high school? (laughs)
1: Oh well actually we uh, we were good in high school. We won CIF, which was the California, you know, championship. Um and uh yeah, I mean, you know, we we actually were kind of a powerhouse. Not only did myself and Caitlin come out of um, our high school at Foothill, um, but uh, you know, we had a couple other U of A athletes, Lauren Bauer, Courtney Sadi, um, Michelle Chernock, so tons of I mean, like I said, definitely a powerhouse. And then we had quite a few other people who went to D1 schools, such as Northwestern and Michigan. So, yeah, we, we definitely had a nice little little pod
0: there. That's crazy. And then Paige Lowe, a couple of years behind you, was at Oregon State. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep, and then her sister. So um, McKenna Lowe also went to Oregon State just a, a couple years behind her. So
0: How did you exactly get into softball? You know, uh, growing
1: up, my it was just um, my mom, um, single parent, and she was just phenomenal. It was her, me, and my brother, and um, she just always encouraged us to be involved in anything. Didn't matter what it was, but we had to be involved in something. Um, you know, tried soccer. wasn't a huge fan of running a whole lot. <laughs> um, did gymnastics for a long time and kind of partnered that with softball. And it, it's funny because. Um, There was a, you know, that drawing point where it was such a commitment to do the two sports and I, it was really kind of, I had to choose one or the other. And at that time I was, you know, kind of uh, taller for my age. And so I figured, well, you know, softball is probably the better route for me to go. So I chose the softball route and then I never grew again. Um, so I was just more on the smaller side of softball, which actually ended up working out for me because of my speed and being a slapper. But, I mean, I really give all the credit to my mom for um, just kind of encouraging me to be involved in something. And um, if it weren't for her support, I, I honestly now I have two kids and uh, they're young and I'm not even taking them to sporting things yet. But I don't know how she did it. You know, it's a huge commitment on a parent side. Um, to be able to, you know, make sure that your child is able to one, get to all of their practices and games and two, just financially too. It's it's insane. And I know it's only increased since I, since I was younger. So yeah, yeah, definitely
0: my mom just encouraging me. That's awesome. Sounds like you have a great mother and you're right. It is such Mm -hmm. a commitment, especially as you said, you played club and that's really where the money is and all that. And it's like every weekend,
1: yeah oh yeah every weekend and um you know when especially when i was younger once i got into high school i was really fortunate i was on a team that um, was sponsored and you know so the finance piece of it wasn't as big you know we were able to get uh, equipment and whatnot and a lot of our um, travel was paid for and then a lot of times too because it was such a great club team um, people would come to us more than us having to travel but growing up, I mean, I remember we went all over the country to try to qualify for nationals and um, I can only imagine, the, um, you know, getting, you know, my mom having to get away from work and, but she always just made it so much fun because a lot of times we would drive and it would just be these really fun road trips and we'd stop places on the way and I remember we had an Astro van mm-hmm. and the, the seat kind of laid down in the back and we had this big clunky TV that plugged plugged into the cigarette lighter. (laughs) We could watch TV. It was, you know, had a VCR in it. Amazing. (laughs) Definitely aging myself, but...
0: (laughs) Yeah, VCR, what even is that? Now I'm kidding. I know, I know. (laughs) That's amazing, though. Sounds like you and your mom have a lot of great memories from that time.
1: Yeah, and my brother pretty much always went along with us, and
0: sometimes he would bring a friend, so
1: um, I'm sure it developed good memories for him, too. We
0: had a lot of fun. Awesome. Now, I know you played the outfield at Arizona, but growing up, were you an outfielder or an infielder? Um,
1: You know, I actually, I mean, everybody pitched at some point, right? So when That's I was true. pretty young, I pitched a little bit um, and talk about a commitment there. Um, and then I ended up, I actually played shortstop for um, most of, um, you know, until I got to high school. And I remember <clears throat> I got to high school and They wanted me to be an outfielder and man, I was so mad. I was like, no, I'm a shortstop. This is where I belong. And um, my coach there, Mike Gonzalez, he, um, you know, he was, he's like a huge reason where I um, got where I got. He um, really encouraged me. He taught me so much about the outfield and it was really the best fit for me. And it was where I belonged. So, um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. The outfield is such, um, it's like I always tell people, it's the last line of defense. So ball gets past you in the outfield and you got bigger problems. Gets past the infield, unfortunate, but you got the outfielders there to back you up. So, and we're the ones that get to make all those fun diving plays and over the fence catches, all that good stuff.
0: That is true. And you need speed in the outfield, which you obviously have, which I'm sure is another reason you are put there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep, definitely got to be fast to be out there. So, again, I mean, you take the good angles and the ball doesn't get past you. Mm-hmm.
0: Now talk a little about being a slap hitter because that's something that if you're not a lefty, it's hard. But then again, it's just hard anyway because the ball in softball is coming so fast at you and you have to make sure you're not out of the box. It just seems pretty crazy to me. I played some softball, but I was never a slap hitter.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so actually I was originally a right-handed hitter. Um, And again, it was when I... um, Well, maybe it was a little bit before high school. Maybe it was eighth grade. And, um, you know, I wasn't, like I said, I never grew again. So I kind of was on the smaller side. Wasn't really going to be a huge power hitter. And I was so fast. And slapping was really, really new at that time. So, you know, my coaches were like, let's give this a whirl. So, um, you know, I gave it a whirl and didn't really have much guidance to begin with. Just kind of, you know, made it up as I went along. And then once I got to high school again, my coach there, Mike Gonzalez, really fine tuned um, my slapping game. But yeah, I was originally um, a right-handed hitter, and then turned to be lefty just because I was so fast. And you know, really, the goal is to get the ball on the the ground and uh, and beat it out. You know, yeah. so it, it's a fun it's a fun game, and I thought that I could always kind of mess with the infielders, and and I I thought it was it was just a It was a fun fun thing to be a slapper.
0: (laughs) It looks like a lot of fun. And that's really Mm -hmm. what separates softball from baseball. When you're watching two games back-to-back, you know, you're flipping the TV. It really is Mm -hmm. a different game because of the slapping and bunting that happens in softball. It's all about speed.
1: Yeah, and it it just makes the game a little bit quicker, too. I, I feel like the art of slapping has kind of fallen off a little bit because we have these bats now that they have so much pop and everybody wants to go for the long ball, but I'd really like to see slapping kind of, uh, you know, revived in the sport because it it does, it makes it fast. It just, you know, um, most of the time the slappers are at the top of the lineup. So they're what they call the table setters Mm -hmm. and um, it, it just creates a different element to the game.
0: For Sure. You Mm -hmm. went to Foothills High School. As you said, you played with a lot of great players who end up D1 as well. You won the CIF. You also are a four-time Orange County All-District first-team member. You were two-time first-team All-American, which is incredible. And you were the league MVP your senior year. And I have to imagine that league was so competitive because of the part of California you were living in.
1: Yeah, for sure. It was really competitive. I mean, I think that um, our league across the board, you know, there was a, there may be a couple of high schools that didn't have the strongest um, teams, but uh, um, yeah, I think across the board it was a really competitive league. I think about, um, you know, El Medina and uh, uh, Canyon, you know, they, they all had um, athletes who also went to D1 schools. So, yeah.
0: Now, I mentioned all those accolades, so you're obviously being heavily recruited. Can you talk a little bit about that recruiting process?
1: Sure. Yeah, I am. You know, it's funny because I was pretty naive to it all. I, you know, I honestly just played to play. Um, I didn't really know a lot about the college um, avenue of the sport. I think a big part of that was, um, you know, my mom just supported me in the sense that she just wanted me to play and um, be active in something. And, you know, it was a different time where softball wasn't televised. There wasn't really – I never went to any college softball games. So um, if it weren't for the club team that I was on at that time, it was called the um, Gordon's Panthers. They're no longer together, but really, um, you know, similar to the Batbusters, Great organization, just had these coaches who helped me. um, And when I was looking at colleges, um, you know, I I was really more looking for – a balance not necessarily to go to the best softball school but I knew that after college um, you know there's life after college so um, I definitely wanted to to have kind of the full picture in mind and um, you know I ended up at a place that kind of had the, the full package for sure one of the top programs and um, you know was able to get a really great education so I just wanted to go somewhere that I felt like the um, culture was really good and people just really enjoyed everything, not just the softball aspect.
0: Gotcha. And for someone who didn't know much about college softball at the time, you end up on probably one of, if not the best program in the history of the sport.
1: Yeah, for sure. I (laughs) mean, it's definitely just kind of ironic. I think my story is a little bit different because, honestly, I've really had – no idea. Um, I was pretty kind of uh, just you know along for the ride and, and happy to be here. And a big part too, it's kind of funny. Um, of one of the things that I was looking into was making sure that I went to a school or a location that was warm. And I remember I actually had a, a recruiting trip to Ohio State, and it was so my recruiting trip throughout the same time as um, 9/11. So it's right after that. Oh wow! And so, you know, things were a little bit uneasy, too, and so that trip I, I, I ended up canceling because I was like, well, you know, it's, it's pretty cold there. I don't really think I'll survive, and it was a little bit uneasy just flying at that time as well, so.
0: Yeah, plus you grew up in California, so you've probably never yeah. seen cold weather. I, ugh, that would be so yeah, hard going great. to practice in great. February and it being like 15 degrees. Couldn't do it.
1: Yeah, I know. It's always pretty mild in California. And you know, what's funny is Arizona, I had um, I had some family in Scottsdale, so I was somewhat familiar with Arizona. But I think the only time that we ever came out to Arizona was, you know, when it was warmer. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, it does get kind of cold here. I mean, it's not, you know, like Midwest or Eastern cold, but, you know, we can get in the 30s and it's I remember one of the first um, games that we played at the U of A in February, and it was windy and a little bit rainy and it's um, very dry here. So it's kind of like this biting cold. And, oh my gosh, I was like, this is horrible. (laughs) I was was in shock. I said, I thought it was warm here. So, but I survived and I'm still here in Tucson. So
0: you stayed. That's great. When it was hot in Arizona, Were you, like, thirsty more? Because the only time I've been to Arizona, I've been, like, I was thirsty the whole time, and I wasn't even running around playing a sport. It's because of that dry heat.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really ever remember feeling more thirsty than, I don't know, like, in California. I mean, it's definitely hot. And I think that they, um, you know, you're encouraged and reminded so much about how important it is to drink water mm-hmm. so you just tend to just do it all the time because everybody's on your case because they don't want you to get dehydrated because it can it can happen pretty fast um, I've never had it happen to me but I mean you know when it's coming so yeah
0: so you get to Arizona in the fall of 2002 how was the transition from high school softball to college softball
1: you know i was really lucky my um between my club team and my high school team um you know i I felt like i was pretty prepared for the college um the college at least practices the difference for me was the um the lifting i had never lifted before and so that was very new to me so the conditioning and lifting that was just an addition um but the practice-wise, you know, I feel like my practices um, between my club and um, my high school program really prepared me for the practices that I had at the U of A. Um, you know, the expect, so when I say that, I guess the expectations, really, really high expectations, of the, the mental side of the game, you know, thinking it rather than just playing it. So I was really fortunate uh, across the board to have um, some good preparation in that area.
0: That's really good. And a lot of people mention that about the lifting. A lot of different athletes from different sports on this podcast have said that, and I can understand that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, lifting, especially like Olympic lifting, it's really not, um, not ideal for I think the younger body that's not, you know, they're still developing. And so you, you really shouldn't be, you know, over, overdoing it in that area. But, um, I do think that nowadays they're a little bit more um, acquainted with that, but I think it still is at a different level when you get to college because your body is a little bit more developed and so they can push you a little bit more with your weight and whatnot.
0: Yeah, and you absolutely don't want to start too young with that.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: Mike Candrea is an amazing coach. He's been in Arizona since 1986. He's got eight national titles, an Olympic gold medal, what was it like playing for him?
1: um, just an honor. you know he somehow some way every single day made practice um you know enjoyable to come to, challenging to come to. You always felt um, the same level of respect day in and day out, so you you went to practice every day feeling and knowing that you were going to get something out of it so. I just, I'm not really sure how he does it, but somehow he does it and he continues to do it. And, um, you know, he just has this um, aura about him too that I think um, just automatically makes you respect him. I think one of the greatest things about him, and, and honestly, a big part of um, what I gathered from my recruiting trip when I was out here, was that he he's not just about softball. He's about life. And I think that that is a huge, um, huge aspect to him that he understands that you have family, um, you know, that you have friends, that you, you have a life outside of softball. And so he always encouraged, you know, making sure that you really had a balance and that I still to this day continue um, to, you know, be reminded about that. And, you know, I, I'm now in administration and I have employees under me and I always encourage them to do that as well. You know, there's so much more than just your work. There's um, you know, you've got to have a balance in life.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It seems like he wanted you guys to get better on the softball field, but wanted you to get better as people as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And it's that's, I mean, that's huge because I think that it carries over, you know, like um, he, doesn't just recruit good athletes. I think he also really focuses on making sure that he's recruiting good people.
0: Yeah, and that's how you keep a program consistent. You don't want to start recruiting kids that aren't working hard or are too selfish. So, and Arizona mm-hmm. has stayed yeah. pretty consistent.
1: Yeah, pretty consistent. Uh,
0: waiting for them to get another title here pretty soon, but <laughs> yeah, it's coming. Yeah. It's the Pac-12 now, but when you played, it was still the Pac-10. It's probably the Mm -hmm. best conference in college softball. Every game was so competitive, wasn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's crazy because um, you you could never take a team for granted. Because really, everybody in the the, um, conference has extreme talent, you know, and and the second that you um, play the name game and say, oh, you know, or, or look at their numbers for the year, they'll just, um, you know, kind of be that dark horse and just come and, and come right after you. So I think that uh, Coach always said that Arizona, we just always had a target on our back. So anytime that people were playing against us, um, you know, they were giving us 110%, you know. And so you let down your guard for a second with a conference that has such extreme talent, then. You know, you're going to get what's coming for you. So Absolutely. always kept you on your toes.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you guys would get to the World Series and several other teams from that conference were there.
1: Yeah, definitely. So it was kind of like a mini Pac-10 at that time, um, you know, reunion, I guess you could say.
0: <laughs> That's funny. How big was the rivalry with Arizona State?
1: You know, it's funny because everybody always asks that, and at the time, um, they certainly weren't, um, I mean, it it was the the, the rivalry just within the atmosphere, I guess you could say, but I think that our biggest rival when I played was UCLA, um, Mm, that that was when we got the most amped up, yeah, but you know, there's just that that natural rivalry of the state versus the university, and you know, so it was there, but I don't think that we ever felt as much as we did when we were playing UCLA.
0: Got it. Yeah, because at that time, UCLA was constantly in the World Series. I think it took Arizona State. They won it in 08, I believe. But I feel like before then, they weren't as good as a lot of other teams.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So they, um, you know, I I think it was um, maybe at the tail end of my career or maybe just right after They got a new coach, and it really turned their program around, Um, and so they, you know, they became uh, one of the top top teams for sure, so I'm sure that the rivalry at that point really changed because Mm -hmm. there's already that just, like, historic rivalry, and then when they actually, I mean, you know that they were good when when I played, too, but it just wasn't... um, I, I, of course we never wanted to lose, <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> but, I know. Uh, you, you know,
1: it just was a little bit different. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They weren't the powerhouse that they are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're able to play right away as a freshman on a really good 2003 team. You led the team in hits and stolen bases. So, and that's important because you're the leadoff hitter, you know, you're either the, you're the table setter and you got to get on base.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, so my freshman year, I was the leadoff hitter, um, and you know, again when when we go back to um was I always an outfielder, no I wasn't. But if it weren't for me becoming, you know, a slapper and an outfielder, I mean that's that's what Arizona needed. They needed a leadoff hitter at the time. And actually I think my freshman year, there was like um seven outfielders so they really didn't need an outfielder but i was able to earn my spot there um and they they needed that leadoff hitter and then the subsequent years it was fantastic because kate came along caitlin low and um it was you know it was just kind of like uh people called us double trouble because <laughs> she was in the leadoff position she would get on base you know almost like all the time and then i was a great bunter and I was so fast that a lot of times, you know, between the two of us, it was like Kate would get on with Dale second, I would bunt and get on, and now we're at first and third and we had Christy Fox in our free hole and it was like a almost a guaranteed run like every time that happened. So it was the best one, two, three um lineup and you know, we it was really, really fun. People would call Kate and I double trouble.
0: Yeah, that was an amazing lineup. And you know, did she, did you have to get involved in your recruiting process and be like, hey, Caitlin, come to Arizona?
1: Um, you know, of course, I, you know, talked to her a little bit, but I think the most important thing is for somebody, someone to be happy. Um, can I say that I'm the reason that she came to Arizona? Absolutely not. Um, you know, maybe it had a little bit to do with it, but, uh, you know, obviously she had offers from all different schools and, um, but she clearly made the, the right choice. <laughs>
0: I like that. That's cool, though. What's it like playing with someone that you played all the way through growing up, and now you're playing at the highest level in college in the Pac-10? Yeah,
1: I mean, you just develop this trust in this relationship. Kate and I, um, you know, we worked so well together, and I think um, it was really the perfect situation because I always kind of looked at it as, you know, being in the two-hole. You're kind of um, – you know, Kate was the table setter, and then I was the person, I, I understood that my role was made mainly to move her over, and that's what being on a team is, right, so um, her job is to get on base, and then I move her over, if I get on base, great, and, you know, oftentimes it ended up working out, and then once both of us were on base, I think the other team was just kind of like, oh, no, you know, we got <laughs> some massive speed, and then our lineup just continued to be packed, so. Um, not like they could walk people. And it just really, um, I think that Kate and I kind of connected on a different level because we had played for so long together.
0: Yeah. And I want to give you some credit that two hole, you have to be really unselfish because as you said, it worked out a lot for you, Yacht on base, but still, I mean, you're technically sacrificing yourself to mm-hmm. move Caitlin over and that, that is an unselfish act. In a team, in yeah, a team and I
1: think it's hard to find somebody who has that perspective because I think everybody cares so much about their numbers and, and whatnot, and that just wasn't ever me. I mean, of course, sure, it's great if you have a high batting average and on-base percentage, but at the same time, like, you know, you're part of a team, you're not an individual, and um, that was just always my perspective in that in that hole. I, I loved being in the number two spot because I also, like I said, was a great buncher. And having Kate on base in front of me actually opened my game up a lot more too because defense would shift um, because she was on base. And so it just, uh, you know, it, it made a big difference.
0: Absolutely. Now, you get to the World Series for the first time your freshman year. What did it feel like when you guys recorded the last out, I believe against Texas A&M, and you were going to Oklahoma City?
1: Oh, man. Honestly, I don't remember (laughs) how long ago it was. So long ago, but um, you know, just uh, thinking about just knowing that uh, every year I was there, except for one year, we went to Oklahoma City. So it was really expected. um, And if uh, you know anything less, was just an epic failure. (laughs) You know, that was just kind of it was expected that we were going to go to Oklahoma City. Um, The year that we didn't. Um, I actually, it was in the, I can't remember if that year we had the super regional, if it was still just the regionals cause the, the format changed. But, um, the, the year that that happened, I had blown out my knee in that post playoff and, um, you know, we just, we weren't playing well at that time. And then, um, for me to blow out my knee, that, that really, uh, you know, really made a a difference.
0: Was it a torn ACL?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Awful. Yeah, that's. I mean, you never want a terrier ACL, but that's an awful time to do it too because it's in the postseason.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was. Um, it was pretty awful. And I, you know, i looking back on it, definitely um, built some character in myself, made me, you know, stronger. Um, I know that kind of sounds cliche, but you know, I learned a lot from from going through that, and then having to sit out during the postseason, and um, you know, people who had to step up. And it was, it was definitely very challenging. That was the same year that um, coach Andrea was coaching the Olympic team too. So there was just a, a handful of things that were just a little bit different that year.
0: Yeah. One thing that was really great about your sophomore year is you were actually leading the country in batting average at one point. It's Amazing.
1: Yeah, it was, it was one of my best years. <laughs> and, then I, <laughs> and then I blew up my knee at the end of it. And, uh, and yeah, I'll tell you, my time. junior year was yeah, and my, it was very difficult for me because speed was, you know, my game. Mm-hmm. So to get my speed back was really, really challenging. And I, I struggled my junior year coming back from that because it was like I still I still had the skill set to place the ball and do what I wanted, but I would just be thrown out by that half step and I remember it being so so discouraging, um, my junior year and that's when all of a sudden I was like, Oh my gosh, my numbers aren't as good and then you get in your head and really in in the big picture, like that's not what matters. Mm -hmm. Um, So but that was that was definitely a challenge to come back from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How much time did you miss your junior year? I can't imagine you were ready for the start of the season.
1: You know, in retrospect, I should have registered probably, um, you know, because I, I blew up my knee at the end of my sophomore year. And then, you know, it, it's really at least a six-month recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I started up, I, you know, I practiced in the fall, and I still was definitely not, um, not 100%, but I think in my mind at that time, I didn't want a red shirt because my career path at that point was elementary education and I knew that my fifth year was going to be student teaching and I wouldn't have been able to play and student teach. So I guess in a lot of ways I put my education before my softball. Um, You know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, what would have happened if I would have red shirted? Maybe I would have had two national championships because we won in 2006 and then they won in 2007, but at that time I was... um, you know, I was done. I couldn't play anymore. So, yeah.
0: I'm sure you're a fan, though.
1: Yeah, indeed.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that junior year, you guys get to the World Series, but you really don't do that well. You go 0-2, which usually Arizona, that doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's, I mean, ugh, very uncomfortable <laughs> to be there and go 0-2, and you know, you have the hotel for the whole time, and um, I, I think from what I remember, uh, coach just changed all of our plane flights and we just flew back. Cause it's like, we just wanted to get out of there. You know, we're upset with the outcome and we're, we we do not want to go to the game because we're, we're angry, <laughs> you know, we're frustrated and, and disappointed.
0: Yeah. I don't blame you. Why do you want to watch other teams play when you're not playing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, so now during preseason of your senior year, did you feel this sense of urgency because you had not had a national title? You, you know, kept getting to the World Series, but you didn't have that ring yet. And this was the last year.
1: Um, I don't remember feeling that way. I mean, of course, all of a sudden you're like, man, this is it. You know, this is my senior year. But I don't really remember feeling that way at the beginning of my senior year. I think it more starts to develop as your season goes on and you get closer to the end point point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it becomes a little bit more real that, hey, you know, like what's happening? And I I believe I remember that our sophomore, my sophomore year was probably our best year throughout the whole season. Um, you know, I think we like we're on a record for. Um, wins and, and all that kind of stuff, and then look what happened. We didn't even make it to the World Series. I think I remember my senior year, we really we, we struggled throughout the season quite a bit, and then we started to take off at the end, um, and that's, you know, that's when it really counts. You, know, you kind of build as you go, and then you take off rather than hitting your peak early and then falling off, so mm-hmm. kind of the, the, perfect, the perfect way to go.
0: Yeah, and you say struggle, but struggling for Arizona standards, you only lost 11 games that year.
1: Sure, yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. It, it just, I just, I, in retrospect, I feel like I, I just remember feeling like, man, we are not doing very well this year, you know, and then all of a sudden we just
0: kind of took off. Now, how was your speed? Did you feel like it was back by senior year?
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely felt like it's back. You know, I still... Still to this day, I mean, gosh, that was like 15 years ago. I still have a little bit of instability in my knee. I'm not really sure why. It could just be mental. Um, but, uh, yeah, I definitely had my speed back at that point. Um, the only thing that I remember being uncomfortable with was rounding bases. Um, you know, if I, if I hit the base with that foot, I just kind of felt a little bit mm. unsteady. But, you know, I didn't have to round the bases too much because I usually just hit singles. <laughs> so Good point. <laughs> yeah
0: that's funny you guys are back in oklahoma city for the third time in your career last time for you that opening game was interesting it was low sister versus low sister in a pac 10 matchup Mm -hmm. you played in high school with both of them well what were your thoughts on that game
1: I mean, sometimes you just have to disconnect a little bit from, you know, the the name or the face on the other side if you just play your game. But I remember more um, wondering what it was like for Caitlin and, you know, her parents in the stands, um, you know, like what, what's going through their mind. And I, I think that they, they kind of just sat in the middle and, you know, just kind of were as unbiased as possible. But I, I think that that would be a little bit more challenging than um, – Just having the relationship with with the girls in the in the past, because there was a lot of girls on other teams that I had played against or had played with um, my whole life. So, yeah,
0: that's true. And, you know, a thing is, you also played Oregon State a few times that year. So it wasn't like this was the first Mm -hmm. time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You guys really dominated that World Series. You only lose one game to Tennessee. I actually had Lindsey Schutzler on the podcast. She was on that team. hmm
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, like I said, at the end of that season, we just, um, everybody just kind of got on fire at the same time, and we all fed off of each other. And um, I have to say that out of the four years that I played, um, that that team had the best... Um, like uh, friendship and I think that that made a big difference um, you know I mean of course you're friends with most of the people on your team anyways, but that group um, th- the girls on that team, not even just my year but below, like we are we still get together we still communicate pretty often so I just think that the um, the culture on that team was probably the best you know talent wise I mean we had Maybe more talent other years, but when you combine talent and, um, you know, trust and good bonds and relationships, I think that can really make a difference.
0: Yeah. I mean, team chemistry is everything in sports. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, for sure.
0: You play Northwestern in a best of three final, and it's really not close. Arizona, you guys win game one, eight, nothing, and then game two, six, nothing to win the national championship. Take me through those emotions of winning.
1: Well, I mean, it felt good, that's sure, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing that I remember is how much our speed killed them in those games. Um, you know, they really seemed to shift their defense a lot for the slap hitters, um, and that just really didn't benefit them, and... I remember there were a lot of times that all of the slappers, you know, that we were getting on on errors, um, and it was just because, you know, they were rushing things and the speed just ultimately kind of broke them down. And and you know, my senior year, it's funny because the other years, a lot of times when I would get into a position that you know was more of like a power hitting position, oftentimes I was pinch hit for. And, you know, know, it was a little bit frustrating, but at the same time, I was also always happy for my teammates to get the chance to get in there. But my senior year, and especially in that World Series, never did I get taken out. And I I don't really remember, but I I think I had, like, a record of RBI um, in that tournament. So it just goes to show you just because you don't hit the long ball doesn't mean you can't have, you know, RBIs and score people. And and even if the um, on-base, you know, is getting on because of errors, like – hey, that's that's what speed does to people.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. It does rush people. And you're right. You did play terrific. You had a ton of RBIs. And you made the All-World Series team.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like I said, I mean, it was a great way for me to kind of at least end my my college career.
0: For sure. How was that celebration back in Tucson?
1: Oh, it was great. I mean, I remember we got there, um, got back, I think it was a little bit later in, there were people waiting out in the McHale Center for us, so just to, you know, give me goosebumps thinking about it, you definitely feel like a celebrity.
0: Yeah, and you, you kind of were a celebrity in Tucson. You win your career in the top 10 batting average, hits, and stolen bases in Arizona history. And like I said, Arizona is probably up, up there with UCLA as the best softball program ever
1: yeah absolutely um yeah i mean even to this day and i don't know if it's just because my last name is champion um that people remember <laughs> but you know still it, it's kind of nice still being in tucson and and there's a lot of people who um remember me and and that's um that's pretty cool you know i i think my husband loves it when we go places and they go oh it's that autumn champion and <laughs> i'm not sure if they recognize me or if sometimes they just hear my name so it's been a while, so the fact that, that some people still remember me is, is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's got to be a great feeling. Shows what you did for mm-hmm. that community. Yeah. No, did you play professionally after college? I did.
1: Um, so I played on the Heat that was here out of Tucson for one summer. Um, and then I, the Heat folded because most of the other teams were on the East Coast and Finance-wise, you know, it just, it wasn't really um, working out. So then I played um, on the Chicago Bandits for a summer, and then ultimately it just, it wasn't working out. um, A lot of people who um, play softball go into coaching or, you know, something along the softball line, and I went into teaching teaching. and the hard part was that my career and teaching kind of overlapped with um, the professional softball season. Mm. And so it just really wasn't aligning. It made it, it made it a little bit too challenging. So unfortunately I didn't continue playing professional, but I think at that point I was kind of like, okay, it's time to move on. And like I said, when I was looking at colleges, my, my focus was on the understanding that there is life after softball. So, um, You know, I knew that softball wasn't really going to be, it's not like professional baseball or basketball or, you know, the NFL. We just don't have that opportunity yet. It's, It's getting better, but it's still just not there.
0: Yeah, and it's unfortunate. You had mentioned that a lot of the people that play also coach. And the reason they do that is so they can get more money because there's really not a lot of money in professional softball.
1: Totally. There's like zero money. And, and, you know, it's, it's also, it's only um, the season, at least I'm not totally familiar now, but the season when I played was only in the summer. So unless they're paying you a ton of money, which, you know, they just, they haven't built up that, um, that finance yet, then, you know, you you have to do something else the, the other time during the year. So.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think it's a really mature decision what you made at age 17 or 18 when picking a college, you know, you want to do something after after softball, and you go into teaching, as you mentioned, uh, but you're now a nurse, so what happened there, how did you, what, how, what made you want to change career paths?
1: Um, You know, I was teaching for, I think I taught for about six years, and Kind of got to a point where I I felt like I wanted something different. Um, At that time, I was teaching kindergarten. Loved that age. Loved teaching. Uh, But I was, you know, supplementing the income as well with, you know, coaching stuff. So it was kind of nice. I I coached and I did lessons. And then I also taught. But, um, you know, I I think I just wanted to – my initial thought was I was going to take a break. um, And that, you know, so I resigned from teaching. And I got married that summer after, and my husband actually, you know, I was like, you know, what should I do, and should I do this or that? And he was like, I think you should go into nursing, because I've always expressed interest in his, he's a firefighter and a paramedic, um, always expressed interest in the medical side of things, and so he said, you should go to nursing school, and I was like, okay, you know, thinking that it's super easy, and man, talk about a challenge, <laughs> Um So I had to, you know, with teaching, I only had uh, prereqs, no sciences. So I looked into all of the different classes and prerequisites that I had to take. And, you know, I think this is part of the athlete in me. I did them all accelerated and um, a lot of them online. So this was before COVID. So um, you could go to class, but I just did them online and just really plowed through. I took some five-week courses Um, some eight-week courses and kind of overlapped them, so I was able to get through that, and then I applied for the um, master's program at the U of A. Um, Actually, unaware it was necessarily master's. I just heard it was a really good nursing program, and I really limited myself a lot um, because that's the only school that I applied for, and I got in right away, so I was super lucky. I think it took me a little over three years to get through all of my prereqs and then I also went through the accelerated master's program.
0: Wow, only three years? That's incredible.
1: Yeah, it was really exhausting.
0: I've <laughs> but, been. Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, and especially for someone who's really not the best um, at sciences, it was for sure challenging, but I couldn't have done it without my husband. I mean, he supported me through it. I continued to do um, softball lessons, so I just kind of uh, made my own schedule and scheduled it around my um, courses and when they were heavy or light, you know, I could do more or less in my, my lessons, but, you know, he, he really helped me through that time, um, just supporting me so that I could just continue with, um, with that dream. So, yep. Sounds like and you got a great Here husband. I am. A-
0: yes, I do. I'm very lucky. Now, do you have a specialty in nursing?
1: Um, So when you come out of nursing school, you really don't, you're just a nurse. You don't have a specialty. I did decide to go directly into the operating room. So um, I went to the OR at the level one trauma here in Tucson. And um, I was there in the OR for little, maybe like, so the orientation for the OR is much longer than other units. It's at least six months. So I got oriented, and then I was on my own for about four months, and I was approached by the senior in um, in my unit and asked if I wanted to go into management. And I said, oh, boy, <laughs> like, that's definitely not the pathway that I was going down, um, you know, and I'm brand new, and, and she just really encouraged me, put a lot of faith in me. Um, so I then I ventured into the management side and um, built a really good team at the um, – the level one trauma center. And then actually this last July, I was offered the interim director position at the um, other hospital here in town over the operating room and the um, pre-op and PACU and then endoscopy. So I decided to give it a whirl since it was interim and I could, you know, test it out and, and I've really, really enjoyed it. And so I officially accepted the position just a couple weeks ago. So now I am in the director role, um, over the OR and pre-op PACU and endoscopy. And then I'm going to be opening up a neuro, um, therapy suite pretty soon. So definitely got my hands full.
0: Congratulations. That's amazing. You've really worked your way up in your career.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like everything. It just seems like it all has just gone so fast. Um, (laughs) you know, and then it's this balancing act. Like I always kind of try to remember just like what coach said, is having that work-life balance. And that's just something that, you know, I continue to strive for every single day because ultimately um, work is work and family is is more important. I have a three and an almost five-year-old and um, I just love spending time with them. They're at some really great ages and you know, I, I love being, when my husband's home, you because know, he's a firefighter, so he's gone 24 hours, so when he's home, I really, I really try to make sure that I can um, be there as much as I can, because these are the, these are the days where my kids really love me, and they need me, and they, <laughs> they want me around, because I know those teenage years are coming, and they'll come fast, and, um, and I just, I really cherish this, these moments with my family.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Those are great ages. I have a niece and nephew that are around pretty much exact those exact ages, and it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, they're fun. They are definitely energy suckers for sure, but, oh, you bet. know,
0: really worth it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's cool. You have a full-time job. You're a full-time mom because that is a full-time job, too. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Got a lot going on.
1: Yeah, do have a lot going on, but I wouldn't trade it for, for anything.
0: So. Nice. Then one really cool thing is that Arizona recognized you for your great softball career. You were inducted into the 2018 Arizona Athletics Hall of Fame. That must have been pretty cool.
1: Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Um, That was such a huge honor. And it was really, it was, you know, it, it was really great. My family came. And I remember being able to really recognize my husband because he always just thinks that so cool that I played softball and, and was, you know, the top of my game, but, you know, I was, I, unfortunately he, I didn't know him when I played, but, you know, I, I just really have to give him a lot of credit for, um, for where I am today, as well as my mom, you know, the, the two of them. And then of course my coaches, they, they really got me to where I was. So, um, You know, I remember my speech at that um, induction was not about me. It was really about the people um, and the pathways to get me where I was because I think that it's so important for people to realize that most people, maybe not all people, but most people don't get to where they are without some huge support systems, and I was so lucky and still am so lucky to have those support systems in my life.
0: That's so true. Everyone needs those people in their life to get to where they want to go. And I hope you called out your high school coach and thanked him for not putting you at shortstop because who knows, maybe you wouldn't have ended <laughs> up at <in> Arizona.
1: <laughs> I did. And he actually came out for that induction. So that's, oh, that's you know, amazing. We remained close. Yeah. And so I, I definitely gave him the shout out in my speech too. Um, I, I give him like all the credit for you know, really most of my slapping and outfield skills. Um, he, he really is probably one of the biggest reasons that I had the skill sets that I had.
0: And that's so funny, going from being mad at him to not playing the position you want to thanking <laughs> him in, yeah. in your Hall of Fame yeah. speech.
1: Yeah, between him, uh, so Caitlin and I actually uh, worked for him a little bit like um, at his office in in high school too. So we developed a pretty good bond and um, we, you know, still keep in touch. He has three kids now and and his wife, um, Michelle Turnock, now Gonzalez, also played at the U of A. So, you know, just a a good connection there. Yeah.
0: (laughs) All in the family.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Autumn, I've loved our conversation. I like to end the podcast with a couple of fun questions. How does that sound? Sure. That sounds great. All right. I know you have two kids at home, but in your free time, which is probably very limited, what TV show are you currently watching? Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> very limited free time. Um, you know what? My husband and I just started to watch um, 13 Reasons Why. Oh, okay. Um, you, know, it, 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 you know, we had heard so many good things. I was like, I don't want to watch it. I think it's probably pretty dark, but we're really enjoying it. And it, it kind of just really opened your eyes to um, understanding that everybody might be going through something and you just don't realize it. So the, the best thing to do is just be, be nice, you know, and, and communicate, ask how people are doing. And so that's, that's currently what we're watching. Not usually our, um our, you know, genre, but teenage yeah. drama. <laughs> Yeah, no,
0: you're right, though. I watched that show. I actually they came out with they have four seasons. I watched them all. And yeah, that first season specifically, I had that same Mm -hmm. reaction. I was like, you know, I gotta just continue to be nice and just check on everyone. And it's a good show. I will say if you watch the whole thing, seasons one and two are like one show and then seasons three and four are kind of like another so just be prepared. Yeah, that.
1: that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. I'm surprised they have so many seasons because I'm like, how long can you make it to keep going? But uh, <laughs>
0: You'll see. I won't give away any spoilers. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> All right, next question. What is the best vacation you've been on?
1: Whew, that's a hard one. I mean, um, so my husband and I, we really enjoy going to Mexico um we either go to rocky point which is pretty close um to tucson here or we go to san carlos um i guess i'd have to say that probably one of the best vacations i've been on is when we went to san carlos and my husband arranged for some of my good friends to be there um and he asked me to marry me there so that was probably we got scuba certified on that trip um i got engaged on that trip so Oh, that's amazing. I think in, in hindsight, it's one of our like our favorite places to go.
0: That sounds like a great vacation. Not only do you get engaged, yeah. your friends are there. You learn to scuba mm-hmm. dive. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Good for you. Last question. So you grew up in California, but now you're here in Tucson. What professional sports teams do you root for? <laughs>
1: fan i honestly i don't have any sports teams it's so horrible i really just (laughs) the tucson bubble is really um the u of a so obviously everything and anything u of a i'm Mm -hmm. i'm you know rooting for um i guess i would have to say if i you know were to pick a sports team and only it's because it's where i grew up and i used to go to the games all the time would be the angels Okay. But I'll be honest with you, I haven't watched an Angels game or even <laughs> a professional baseball game in so long. Um, but maybe as my kids are getting older and they start getting into something, um, you know, we'll probably, maybe we'll, we'll become a little bit more sports fans. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I just don't have a professional team that I really gravitate towards.
0: That's okay. I, I think college sports are more fun anyway, so just be a U of A
1: Sure. Totally. I think that sometimes college athletes have a little bit more passion behind what they're doing because they still have a drive to go or do something else. Whereas you get to the professional level and they're there and you know that's a great that's point. Just what they do now. So
0: <laughs> good point. Autumn. Thank you so much for making time to be on the podcast. As you said, you're a sure. full time nurse, full time mom. I know your time is limited, so thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you. It was a a pleasure chatting with you. All
0: right, everyone. That was my chat with Autumn Champion Shirt. Hope you enjoyed it. She had such a great career at Arizona, and now she's got a great career as a nurse. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.